Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Today, let's talk about joy. You know, so often, We think of joy in terms of encountering something, and then as a result of encountering that thing, we have joy. For example, birth of my child gave me so much joy. Watching your grandkids open presents gives you joy. Learning about your acceptance into a college brought you joy. Landing that perfect job brought about a sense of joy. You encountered something, and as a result came joy. This totally makes sense, and it works until something takes a turn for the worse. We're continuing our message series on Christmas carols, using the acronym CAROL to help us remember the point of the series. Stands for Common Attitudes Revealing Our Lord. In the Bible, we have that directive. We're given the command, and this is cool. This is one of the shortest verses in the Bible, Great passage if you're looking to start memorizing scripture, by the way. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says this, be joyful always. See, the challenge presented in scripture is this, Philippians 2.5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Some of the versions read, your attitude should be that it should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, had a submissive mindset. Now, what we're doing here is we're looking at Christ responding to Paul's challenge here in Philippians and striving to live this reality out in our own lives. Because we're in charge of our attitude, we can change our attitude. And since we're called to have the same attitude as Christ, well, then we can press forward to become more and more Christ-like in our lives. See, we want to be doers of the word. If we commit ourselves to this journey, the Holy Spirit will do a work in our lives as we surrender ourselves to God's plan. Now, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.16, God's plan for you is for you and me to be joyful always. (laughs) How can that be? It's a true story here. Last week, I found the source of this joy that we can all have. I was walking up to a local Walmart. Now, Walmart's known for having everything, right? And during the holidays, they transformed their garden centers and place most of their Christmas uh, decor, their decoration items out there. And lo and behold, right outside the garden center, wait for it, in a big sign, it read, Joy Shop. Want joy in your life? Just head on over to Walmart, do a little shopping in the garden center, and get yourself some joy. True story about that sign. I think it's good marketing by Walmart. But... This won't enable you to fulfill the verse, be joyful always. This is short and to the point. I like it. The key, however, here is the word always. Paul meant this literally. Christian joy is not bound by circumstances or it's not hindered by difficulties. In fact, joy in the New Testament is often coupled with sorrow and suffering. Very interesting, actually. Seems extreme, doesn't it? Always be joyful? Be full of joy all the time? What would we encounter to make this possible? What are we to be encountering that would enable us to rejoice always? With where, in other words, is the source of joy? Walmart. No, that's wrong. 
It's not found in endless streams of cute puppy videos either on YouTube. So the explanation may be found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So see, we read in Philippians 4, 4, we read, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. So what's our source of joy? You guessed it correctly. Our, our joy is in the Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is our source of joy. And King David wrote in Psalm 16, you've made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Watch this, write this down. We see out of these passages in the Bible, three huge steps. Are you ready? Here you go. In the Bible, Christian joy is commanded, it's continuous, and it's a consequence. See, Christian joy is commanded. God wants me to be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. The verse didn't read if the sun is shining or if you're feeling well. If something good has happened to you, then by all means, rejoice. No, it states a command. It's clear, simple, straightforward. Rejoice. When something is commanded in the Bible, it just means that God knows that it's possible. God commands joy. Imagine your life with joy. You can say with confidence, God wants me to be joyful. Why are you so happy? God wants me to be joyful. Like we learned in our series on mindset, the focus of our mind and heart and purpose of our life on earth affects our joy. What we focus on gets bigger. We live in a time of massive disruption everywhere from the great resignation to broken supply chain to political division to the convergence of the biotech, the infotech, and the artificial intelligence to the vaccine mandate. You know, with all that going on, maybe some of you have given in or given up and maybe even started to question God. How is it even possible to be joyful always? I think maybe a better question is, what sort of mindset do I need to embrace disruption and have joy? If we're to have this kind of joy, then we have to cultivate the right kind of mind, a mind that's set on believing God above all else. Let me give you just a few examples from scripture. See, Jesus imagined that you could have that sort of mind. John 16, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. In John 15, 11, he said, I've told you these things, I've told you this, that your joy may be complete. James imagined this sort of life for every believer in James 1, 2. He said, just count it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. And Peter, he knew that joy was possible for every Christian. 1 Peter 1, 8, he wrote, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Paul knew firsthand the struggle to have joy always. Philippians 4.4, he knew what he was writing. Rejoice in the Lord always. Here's the question. Are you fulfilling this command? You know, our society tends to think in negative terms. Just turn on the news. And we often bring a negative attitude towards God. And he's asking that as you encounter him, that you would rejoice. Not only is joy commanded, Christian joy is to be continuous. God wants me to experience joy in every circumstance. No matter what I encounter in life, 
I can encounter joy because I encounter God. No matter what people say about me, I can encounter joy because I know what God says about me. No matter what happens to me, I am a child of God. I am loved and forgiven. My eternity is secure. And because of this, I can have joy in every circumstance. Now listen, we're not talking about happy, sappy, plastic, fake, smile, Christian joy. When difficult circumstances happen, it should bring about real emotions like sadness, grief, and sorrow. We're not robots, and God doesn't ask us to be robots. But we can maintain joy in the midst of sadness, grief, and sorrow. This is why at a believer's funeral, there can be simultaneous experience of deep sorrow and sadness, and yet at the same time, deep joy and peace. Just recently, I officiated a memorial service for Tina Wines. She was only 49 years old. One day she was fine and healthy, and the next she's dealing with sickness due to COVID. That was followed by 80 long days in the hospital and eventually death. Now, Jeff, her husband, kept me apprised of her situation. Not great circumstances. I think that we can agree on that. To be healthy one day and dead 80 days later. I texted him two weeks after the service, and I said, Hey, I've been thinking about you. How are you doing, my brother? And his reply text back to me said, As good as I can be, God is good, and his plan is being worked out. I know this. Now, I have permission to share with you that when I met Jeff years ago, he was not a believer. He was a gangster. Two weeks after his 21st birthday, he went to prison, arrested by the feds. And we won't go into the story, but he was given the number 17767-018. He had to use that number at school, the doctor, the canteen. It was burned into his memory forever. He knows the number like he knows his own social security and driver's license numbers. He never attended one day of high school, yet he graduated with a GED. When I met him, he had a tattoo on it inside of his ankle of a ball and chain along with his federal inmate number, 17767-018. Soon after we met, he covered the ball and chain with the hill of Calvary. We're gonna show a picture here of this. His past is real but now it's covered by Calvary. I'll just tell you, Jeff's a tough guy who's lived a tough life. Now he's a man of faith ever since God saved him. In his words, God delivered me from so many things. You wanna know why he has joy? It's because he's focused on God. It's not because everything is going according to his plan, but he trusts the journey. Those were his words. He trusts God's plan. Remember Jesus in Hebrews 12, 2, But for the joy set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. Joy is continuous. And that brings us to our third concept, that joy is a consequence. God wants me to be joyful, well, because of him. Where God is present, joy is present. Because God is consistent and reliable, our joy can also be consistent and reliable. Because ultimate joy is found in him, it comes from him. He is the source of joy. If you try to find ultimate joy in your job, good luck. If you try to find ultimate joy in your husband or wife, watch out. If you try to find ultimate joy in in kids or, or grandkids, that's gonna be what's gonna be very disappointing. If you try to find ultimate joy in the things of this world, you'll be left empty. 
As one Christian author uh, wrote, he just said, you have a God-shaped hole in your heart that was made for only God. We can rejoice always only if we are focused on something that never changes. Rejoice in the Lord. We're not talking about walking around with a continual smile as though life is great every day and all I have are happy thoughts. It's just, it's not the way it is. Listen, we're talking about a deep inner joy that has at its core, God, at that radical center. Everybody rejoices sometimes. I get that. But this command says to rejoice all the time, always, even in times of sickness, even in times of pain and disappointment, even in times of bereavement, like my friend Jeff. Is it simple? No. This requires a high degree of focus. It's difficult. But listen, it's possible. We all can experience changes beyond our control. But remember that God is in control and we trust him. We trust him. So even when I feel sorrow, see, I can have joy. Let me put this, let me put it this way. Anytime there's a major fire at a house or to business, they'll send out a person who's an expert on fires. They've studied how fires spread, their causes, and with amazingly simple but highly effective techniques, they'd be able to trace back the fire to, to its origin. Where did the fire start? In some instances, they could trace it back to faulty electrical wiring to a fireplace, maybe a cigarette that was left burning, or arson. The same is true as you study the faithful men and women who have been able to display joy in the midst of terrible circumstances, missionaries who have endured terrible loss and hardship, pastors who have faced persecution, Christians who have had heartache and heartbreak over and over again, but still they have joy. It can all be traced back to one source. It's God. I want you to see the entire context of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to start with verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, of one of the most well-known Christmas carols is Joy to the World. It's a simple song written by a man named Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts was the oldest of nine children. He was born in Southampton, England in 1674. His father, a cobbler and tailor by trade, was also a deacon in the Church of England who went to prison twice for his conscience sake. In fact, he was in prison whenever Isaac was born, but his father's spirit was passed on to him. And after studying Greek, Hebrew, Latin, he returned home. He never married and eventually he spent time in the pulpit. Like most young people, Watts found church music of the period to be uninspired and monotonous. He saw no joy or emotion in the standards that were sung by choirs and congregations. Isaac's complained to his father about this. His father responded to him by saying, well, Isaac, then do something, do something better. And he did. The challenge initiated a burst that did not end until Isaac had composed more 
than 600 hymns and hundreds of other poems. Now, based on Psalm 98, Joy to the World is about the redemption of the whole world from sin and sorrow. Watts meditated on Psalm 98 and paraphrased the psalm into his own words. Well, the congregation loved this new approach. Why? They could understand what they were singing. Isn't the same true for us? You see, when we understand truth, we can live, we can live better. We can live truth. You want joy? Then start with this truth. God is joyful and he wants us to be too. You know, when I first read Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, I had to actually reread it several times because it was such a great thought for me. Maybe it'll be new for you as well. Listen how God feels about you. Zephaniah 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Just read that again. The Lord your God is with you. He's the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God delights in you. And he breaks out into song when he thinks about you. That's hard to believe, isn't it? I love how the Living Bible paraphrases this passage. It says, is that a joyous choir I hear? No. It is the Lord himself exalting over you in happy song. The Lord is rejoicing over you. Friend, if we have little or no joy in our lives, it could very well be because we simply don't know God well enough because joy is one of his character qualities. Maybe we just don't understand how God feels about us. That's important. When we recognize God is joyful, we will be even more drawn to him. He's not an aloof judge just waiting for us to mess up so that he can unleash his fury. He has created us to be his delight. He finds great joy in you. He exalts over you in happy song. As we view God this way, we will discover that he takes great pleasure in us. My hope was well, that you'll personally experience the Lord's joy. To discover joy, we have to abandon the search for it and go instead searching for the one who himself is joy. When you understand Jesus, you'll know that you have found the source of joy. I like what Jesus said in John 15. He just said, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my father's commands and I remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. If we want the kind of joy that is complete, lacking nothing, then we must remain close to Jesus. You see, apart from him, we can't bear any fruit. Jesus was clear about that in John 15. Just jump back to verse four. He just said, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Neither can, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You know, remaining in Jesus takes a conscious decision. We're commanded to work at it. Now, while we can't manufacture joy, we can give our problems to the Lord by leaning on him with everything we've got. The only way to have an attitude like this is to release our problems to the Lord. Let him handle them.
And how can I turn that tough situation into an opportunity for rejoicing becomes a question we ask. You know, this reminds me of what Matthew Henry, he was a Bible scholar from way back in the 1700s. He wrote in his diary after some thieves had robbed him. And, and I remember the story that he was preaching that night. At the end of his sermon, he said, and I'm so thankful. People are wondering, why are you thankful you were robbed? And he said this, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. That's one of my favorite ones. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. See, it's a matter of perspective. Like Matthew Henry, Paul had close fellowship with Christ, even in difficult, adverse circumstances. Now, this Christmas, are you ready to bring joy to the world? You'll bring more lasting joy to people this Christmas, but not through any gift or present. No, it's going to be by your attitude of joy because it's contagious. Just draw near to God. Rejoice always. It's possible. It's commanded. It's contagious. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you will help every single person listening to have joy, even if circumstances are hard. I pray, Father, that our joy will be evident and that you will be glorified through it and because of it and that others will be blessed. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.